Who's Mussolini? Newt Gunray is Mussolini. Uh, exactly, because I hate <laughs> Newt Gunray. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Makai. And welcome to Silver Lining. The podcast where we search for the best or worst in things you hate or love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of Silver Linings, where we're going to be talking about Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Um, this was like everyone claims it's the worst one. I never thought of it that way. I don't know. What about you, Will? Did you? No. Uh, I mean, I think, in my opinion, it's it's easily uh, Phantom Menace is the worst. Um but as as far as a a film goes, I'd say Phantom Menace is the worst. I think Attack of the Clones isn't necessarily a great film, but when it comes to Star Wars, I think it's a I think it's decent. It's definitely not the best, but I enjoyed it uh, the first time I saw it, and I've enjoyed it every time I've watched it since. Well, let's recap this movie. So it is the second of the prequels, and we have Anakin, who is now all grown up, um, no longer that little boy on Tatooine. He's 19 years old, and he's still under uh, his master, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they are being sent to protect Senator Amidala, no longer Queen Amidala, because even though she's a queen, they have terms. Um, And... So they are sent to protect her because there's been multiple assassination attempts on her life. Um, And so you have this little weird dynamic of Anakin still definitely into her. um, But she looks at him and says, you'll always still be that little boy on tattooing. Um, So it's like being friend zoned, but being little boy on tattooing zoned. Yeah, it's like... I, babysitter zoned yes yeah that's a more relatable I've, I've experienced that in my life uh <laughs> multiple times i i guess you can just call it being you can just call it being anakin that's a it's a new it's a new phrase uh dang she anakin me um, we're gonna, we're gonna put I that mean, on urban dictionary after this yeah a <laughs> a female who you're into shuts you down by calling you a little boy but then eventually you get married and it leads to both of your demise um it's very specific it's a very specific way of being shut down but that's what it's called is being anakin i like it but yeah um how so did you see this movie in theaters i did not i was not quite old enough for that okay because you were like three when this came out yeah yeah i was i was five so i didn't five or six and i didn't see it in theaters either um the first time i saw this movie because um, the first Star Wars movie I ever saw was Revenge of the Sith, and I think I think as a kid, that's the that's the movie you want to see first if you're just trying to get into Star Wars because it's the most yeah. exciting, I guess. Um, and grown up Anakin's really cool. Yeah. Uh, but Attack of the Clones. First time I saw it was at my friend Anthony's house. I was about seven or eight years old. And, uh, I remember after this movie, Yoda became my favorite character. And I feel like this movie kind of made Yoda 
most people's favorite character. Yes. Um, what about you? What do you, can you recall the first time you saw this movie? Um, so I actually, this was the second star Wars movie I saw. The first one was Phantom Menace and my dad did not preface star Wars for me at all. He, um, oh, that's, he popped that's it into the DVD player and said, watch this. And we watched the first one and my mind was blown. Of course I was, I was like six. So like, yeah. The the gravitas of the story didn't necessarily hit me, but it was still pretty awesome. And then the next day he showed me Attack of the Clones, same idea. So yeah. I definitely remember being a kid just getting so excited about the lightsaber fights. I remember it was after Attack of the Clones that, because um, Obi-Wan was my favorite when I was little, and I would have to stay still is, uh, but... I remember after Attack of the Clones, I asked my dad if we could go to Toys R Us so I could get a blue lightsaber. <laughs> and that I, I have that lightsaber somewhere, and that, that is what this It's somewhere in a closet or something. <laughs> yeah, I had um, I had Luke's green one, I remember. Gotcha. Um, that was the first one I got because I loved Yoda as a child, but I couldn't find Yoda's lightsaber anywhere. So I found a green lightsaber, and it was Luke's. So... Um, yeah, my favorite character was Anakin. Uh, I don't know why, I guess. I kind of... Because I knew... Okay, I don't know about you, but... So, when you saw this movie, when you saw the prequels, you had no idea about, like, the twist and uh, Darth Vader being Luke's father no, or anything I, like that? I didn't even know who Darth Vader was again. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I wish I wish that's how I had gone into it. I, like, I knew everything. And because uh, my friend Anthony, who I watched it with, he... Uh, kind of ruined it for uh, me but you know it was fun um I, we would uh we would go back and forth between watching the movies and then playing lego star wars because lego star wars was the greatest video game of all i time. it's funny you say it that still is and on my silver linings list of all the of all the good things i have so many this scene inspired a level in lego yeah. star wars <laughs> <laughs> i loved lego star wars i uh i think the scene which we'll get to the scene where yoda finds fights count dooku uh that i i don't even remember if that scene was in the game because i haven't played lego star wars in so long do you remember if it was in the I game? i think it was i think it was okay. a boss battle because i think i think i remember just playing that level so much because i loved that scene so much and i'd go back and free play and play with different characters and stuff and i'd have count dooku defeat count dooku yeah <laughs> uh all right so let's talk about let's just go through the movie and talk about uh different things that happened and kind of how it had an effect on us and stuff we gotta talk about it so we open up with um what we believe is senator amidala's ship and it lands on a little landing pad, and um, um, I'd like to I'd like to say I actually wrote I actually wrote something down at the very beginning that the yep. prequels get slammed on so much for their CGI, but this opening yeah. shot of Senator Amidala's ship going to Curse it's incredible. It's so like cool. it's it's so good. It's great. Also the the explosion, the thing. George Lucas loved doing even in the prequels was building models and using real explosions. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if this is one of them, but it looks great. Um, and so we find out 
that so we see someone die and it's a female and we're like oh no she's dead padme's dead we hate that uh but psych it's not her it's Kira it Knightley's is a body character, double even though it's not Kira Knightley no it's not Kira Knightley but it is her character you know how they like to do that <laughs> um in things but that's sad uh she dies um and then we have a council meeting with uh with Palpatine who spoiler alert is a bad guy so what, another thing I've taken note of is all the actors that I think did gave fantastic performance in this movie. And at the yeah. top, I have Ian McDiarmid because I think oh, he's a legend. I, I have, okay, I, my fourth note is Ian McDiarmid is incredibly and intoxicatingly evil. So yes. we agree on that. He's, in, he's unbelievable. From his opening line, I was already writing that note because he's just... I don't know. Is he just exudes evil and malicious, and I love it. I can hold off the vote, my friends. Uh, more and more star systems are joining the separatists. If they do break away, I will not let this republic that has stood for a thousand years be split in two. My negotiations will not fail, and the way he says it is just like. It gives me chills because he's so good. And it's such a it's such a good double meaning because yeah. his allies, quote unquote allies at the time are feel like he's trying to help them, but Yeah. I mean, even though as a viewer you technically shouldn't know who he is, you you exactly. know who he is. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, know who he is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you didn't know who he was. I didn't, but I also saw it. I also was not paying attention. I was waiting for the lightsaber fights. So Oh, well, that's well, aren't we all? Uh <laughs> just like every 6-year-old uh is waiting for the lightsaber fights. Well, you must have been excited during that big yes, scene. Yes, and we will get to uh, that, but I have so much to say about that. All right. So, he is uh he's talking. He's bad. Um there's so much like you said, there's a big double meaning. There's so much of that in this yes. movie. There's so much foreshadowing in this movie, and it's great. Um, also, uh, for the first time in this scene, we see CGI Yoda, yes. who looks amazing. And uh, I have Frank Oz on my great performances list because, again, yes. another legend. <laughs> because he's Frank Oz. Why Why would you not have him in there? Um, and then... Uh, Amidala comes in. This is probably a few hours after the big assassination attempt, maybe a day after. I'm not sure. Um, Yoda says, my condolences. I'm so sorry that this happened. I'm so happy that you're alive. And when it cuts to uh, Padme, behind her is one of her handmaidens or whatever. And that handmaiden is played by Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne, who. Yeah who was not anything back then. And also to Padme's right is uh, Jimmy Smits, who was on NYPD Blue or oh, something. Wow. He was, yeah. Or I, I can't remember what he was on. He won multiple Emmys. but And he plays uh, Leia's adopted father, which we find out in the next movie. Yeah, so then we have this elevator scene of uh, a 19-year-old Anakin Skywalker and a 
much more mature looking Obi-Wan Kenobi. He has a beard. He has long hair. He's sarcastic always. Played uh, by the the god of <laughs> entertainment himself. Number, <laughs> like, number, number four spot, but it really should be number one on my list of great performances. Sir Ewan McGregor. I don't know if he's a knight. Absolutely. I just call him that anyway. He, he's going to be someday. Be. <laughs> um, he's great. He's incredible. Uh, so Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen are playing Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, respectively. This scene is a just pretty much a way to establish how their relationship has grown since Phantom Menace in the last 10 years. And what I have written down is that it's less of a father-son relationship and more of a big brother-little brother yes. relationship. Um, where Because Obi-Wan really isn't equipped to be a master uh, because he was kind of thrown into that after the death of Qui-Gon, which is unfortunate. And you you see glimpses of his immaturity. Uh, as immature as Anakin is, you do see glimpses of Obi-Wan's immaturity throughout this uh, film. So they're talking about uh, these adventures that they've had over the past 10 years. Anakin is giddy and anxious because he gets to see a girl he likes for the first time in 10 years and he's immature, you know, like a 19-year-old kid is when they see a girl they like or are about to. Uh, we also see Jar Jar in this scene, Jar Jar Binks, who has less of a role yes, in this movie than the past one because... A large silver Which is line. great. <laughs> uh, yes, because George Lucas listens to his fans. Yes, he does. He does not get enough uh, credit. For taking no. Jar Jar out of the second, two, three, of the second. Of the in fact, yeah. In fact, when Leia, uh, not Leia, uh, when Padme, Leia's mother, leaves Coruscant and goes to Naboo with Anakin, she pretty much tells Jar Jar to shut up uh, because Jar Jar's talking too much. <laughs> so, and that's one of my favorite parts of this movie. So basically, what's happening is there have been multiple attempts on uh, Senator. Amidala's life and they have ordered these Jedi Knights or a Jedi Knight and a Padawan Anakin and Obi-Wan to be guarding her while she sleeps and you know being her bodyguards she goes to sleep later and this is well before that that's about the time that uh Padme says Anakin you're a little boy you know uh he gets Anakin. Um, we um, do, at this point, we also get to meet, I think, a very underrated character who is, you know, not a huge part of the story at all. Captain Typho, played by yeah. Jay uh, Lagaya, is awesome, I think. I think yeah. he is one of the coolest characters. And because he's not a Star Wars looking character, he's. No, he has an eye patch. He's stiff, you know, he's, he's gruff, he's very yeah. hardened. I think he's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's really cool. I like him a lot. She goes to sleep. Then one of my favorite, uh, I'm going on a tangent, but one of my favorite TikToks that I've ever seen is the guy who goes, um, Palpatine sends Count Dooku 
who sends Django Fett, <laughs> who sends a changeling, who sends a robot, who sends, who sends bugs, bugs to kill Padme. So a guy sends a guy who sends a guy who sends a guy who sends a changeling, <laughs> who sends a robot, who sends bugs to kill Padme. Uh, but that's just, that's, it's a funny thing, but if you look at it, it's unbelievable orchestration by Palpatine, you know, he's like, I don't know. He just, he knows what he's doing Yeah, and he orchestrates it perfectly. Well, at least he thinks he does because these bugs do not kill Padme because Anakin comes in and he slices them up expertly because he's an unbelievable swordsman um and that's really the first time we see that i want to back up for just a second um yeah of course the scene the little tiny clip where you see Django fett giving zam west the changeling those bug that is an awesome scene i think that's really cool that was definitely because you know you always hear the story of george lucas's tv show uh star wars underground and i think that's totally where that came from i think he was definitely looking at this this giant city planet as an underground world of very shady dealings and i saw i saw what later would become the mandalorian and things like that in that shot exactly i love it i think it's very cool that's really cool um we see this woman we find out later she's a changeling um and she puts these this uh tube of these toxic bugs in a robot who goes over to the window where Padme is sleeping cuts a hole in the a perfect circle by the I way know. it's uh it's, oh, incredible uh <laughs> and shoots them into the and poor R2D2 bless his heart <laughs> He tries so hard to alert everyone. Uh, but so Anakin comes in and he slices up the bugs and everything. And then they go on this amazing chase, which I love this, this scene. Everything about this scene is great. Um, uh, the music in this yeah, scene is, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone knows John Williams is fantastic. I, I don't know anyone who can argue with a straight face that John Williams is not one of the greatest of all time. Um, yeah. But there are certain moments within John Williams that just stick out above anywhere else. And I think this Coruscant chase is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's it's up there with uh, when Luke is looking out um, on the two sons yes. of Tatooine. Uh, that's a great part. But this is unbelievable. Also, the, the banter that Obi-Wan and Anakin have throughout this scene yeah. is so great. And it really, and it works too to establish their relationship. We see there is an Easter egg in here. We see a, um, an X-Wing being chased by three TIE fighters in the bottom left corner. I have never thought that. Yeah, um, it's, let me, okay, it's at the 1650 mark. And you see it in the bottom left corner. How funny. That's, yeah, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, so they're chasing this thing throughout the the city or whatever the planet and you see what you see you see um the landscape too change uh from like a city to an industrial area and that's pretty cool something that i love when sci-fi does i think star wars has 
always done it so well and um, Star Trek also. Um, I love when society and world building in sci-fi mirrors the human geography and society of real life. And so the fact that even though it's a giant city planet, that there would be sectioned off portions where the government is that looks much nicer. And then there's a more underground world farther away. And then there's an industrial place. And I, I, I love that. I think it's, it's a nice attention to detail that sets it apart from just a five-year-old sitting down and playing with toys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause we start in like a place like, like Chicago or something. And then we go into like the slums of Detroit and then we're in Vegas, you know, it's really cool uh, with all the led lights and everything. Anakin loses his lightsaber surprise. Uh, (laughs) um, And then later um, Obi-Wan who caught it, hands it it to him, which is awesome. Yeah. He catches it and then he hands it to Anakin. I love this line. He says, this weapon is your life, which is really cool because eventually Luke uses it. That is cool. So then they go into uh, this bar. Obi-Wan does Jedi mind tricks on a guy trying to sell death sticks. That's cool. We also get one of my Uh, favorite lines in the prequel trilogy, which is Anakin, why do I feel like, why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? (laughs) It's heartbreaking, but also hilarious. It's so sad. It's so sad. (laughs) I was okay. So I was talking to my dad today. He, doesn't really like Star Wars. Um, he has seen A New Hope. He saw it in the theaters when he was 14, which I envy people who have seen that in the theaters. Um, and he has seen the prequels with me. And he says there are three things he remembers from A New Hope because he's only seen it once. There's only three things he remembers. One is when, okay, this is how he phrased it. He's like, I like when they're flying their planes down in that silver tunnel. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) So when they're trying to destroy the Death Star, and he's like, I guess, I don't know. Um, And then he said, "Um, I also liked when Darth Vader was choking people. I was like, okay. And he said, and I also liked when Obi-Wan Kenobi sacrifices himself for Luke and lets them get away. And I was like, that's a pretty yeah. cool moment. He also asked me what episode we I was doing uh, this podcast with you on, and he said, are you doing it on Revenge of the Sloth? <laughs> so, you know, that's he uh, he didn't have much input on this uh, matter at all. <laughs> so, yeah. so That'll be episode two, Silver Linings. Yeah, Revenge, Revenge of the Sloth. The sloth. Hey, let's, let's do it. <laughs> um, also... Something that's weird, you see pod racing on the screen that's being broadcast. And humans and aliens and all that stuff are doing the pod racing. However, football is being played by aliens. (laughs) That's right. And not only only is it football, it's like Madden 5 on the screen. (laughs) Yeah, because John Madden is canonically a Star Wars (laughs) character. Okay, so... They find this changeling and they're like, hey, who is uh, who sent you to kill this person? And it goes, a bounty hunter by the name of. And then she gets shot by a poison dart by Django Fett. 
uh, which sucks. But rest in peace, you know, Sam Wessel. If if she would have survived, there would be no movie. That's true. So everything happens for a reason. Yes. That's why when I see on Facebook when they're like, "Which character would you bring back?" None. None because it all happens. Yeah. yeah, it happens for a reason, you know. But, you know, then we are back at Coruscant, uh, and there's a Jedi Council meeting with a bunch of people. We see Shock T, who's one of my favorite characters. Um, is Kit Fisto in this scene? Kit Fisto is one of my top five favorite characters in Star Wars history. Uh, he, is, he is not in here. But there you have a Jedi Council meeting. Then we find out that Anakin is going to go uh, to Naboo with Padme. Th- that's going to be great. Nothing can go wrong. Uh, <laughs> because even though Obi-Wan knows about his hormonal obsession with this Naboo senator, he's going to let him take her there to her hometown by himself. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Makes sense. Um, so that's happening. So Palpatine has a meeting with Anakin and says, Anakin, you could be the greatest Jedi ever known. You could even rival uh, Master Yoda, which he's already in his head. He's already stroking his ego. His plan is already in motion, and he knows exactly what he's doing. But Anakin's like, oh, someone likes me. Someone thinks I'm cool. <laughs> That's great. Guess who doesn't think I'm cool? Padme! (laughs) Uh, So he's already in Anakin's head. Uh, This is about the time that Padme tells Jar Jar to shut it um, and leaves. Uh, Anakin is so vulnerable around Padme that he turns into like a three-year-old boy. Yes. Um, And he's like, it's not fair. He should let me do things. Obi-Wan's a meanie, which, you know, he's a kid. I He never really got a childhood. Yeah. And he never really got the chance to grow up. And, so you know, we are, not that Hayden Christensen is my favorite as Anakin, but since we are looking at silver linings here, I, I would like to say I think he gets a little too much hate because people get mad that he's whiny. And, I mean, yeah. He, he is whiny, though. I mean, that is his character yeah, is a whiny Anakin person. Skywalker is whiny. Also, a opinion of mine, I think Hayden Christensen is, I think, okay, Hayden Christensen gives, in my opinion, one of the top five greatest performances of the entire series. In my opinion, as Anakin Skywalker, he's up there with Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. He's up there with Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. In my opinion, I just think he plays Anakin so well. You know, he's not the greatest actor in the world, but that's how Anakin was supposed to be portrayed, you know, as a whiny little baby who throws a fit when he doesn't get what he wants, you know? And if he he wasn't that, I don't think he would have been as susceptible to what happens to him yeah he wouldn't have become vader if there wasn't vulnerability also i have a note here and i don't really remember what it oh yeah the note says anakin gets hashtag me too'd 
Um, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking I know about? Exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so he's looking at Padme, and Padme goes, "Don't look at me like that. It makes me uncomfortable." <laughs> and he, his response is just, "I'm sorry, my lady," which is so yeah, much worse. Yeah. Anakin is a simp. Yes. <laughs> can we just simp. can we just get that out there? He is the textbook definition of a but simp. But you know what? He got the girl in the end, so if there's any simps out there, keep at it. Just I'll just wear all black and choke some people. That doesn't sound right. Um Ooh. anyway, so uh then we have a moment where Obi-Wan goes to this diner. Right? Yes. And there's a guy na- there named Dex. Yes. Is that his name? Dax? Dex? De- well, it's Dexter because it's Dexter's Diner because that That's was the right. lobby in the original Lego Star Wars game. That's right. It was. Okay, so Dex is there. And what I wrote down here is that Star Wars does an incredible job of capturing human aesthetics and translating them into a fictional world. Yes. You know, because we have this 50s diner, which the 50s on earth didn't happen in star wars you didn't see jedis in poodle skirts and stuff but i think it's really cool that they have that in there i will say the the diner scene is not a favorite of mine um but what i do love the idea of obi-wan kenobi playing detective on kurasan i think that (laughs) is very cool i mean it's he's being Batman, essentially, right now. Yeah, he's a, he's like a spy, yeah, he, and it's really he cool. He found this one dart off of someone and tracks down an entire army, one of the most powerful bounty hunters, and an entire separatist movement based off of one dart. <laughs> he does it all by himself, and it's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's so cool. Obi-Wan Kenobi is so cool, and I'm so looking forward to the series. Uh, I cannot wait. Um, but yeah, so he's at, uh, Dex's diner and then, uh, he goes to the Jedi archives and searches for this planet, uh, in the Kamino system. And guess what? The planet isn't there. And then we get this, this jerk of a librarian comes (laughs) up. Well, if it's not in our system, it doesn't exist. And let's talk about the librarian. <laughs> Canonically, she is also a Jedi Master. And, like, <laughs> she holds her own against Darth Vader at one point. I feel yeah. like that is, that's canon. And yeah. She's eventually this, killed by which, him. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, she should have give, given it a chance. <laughs> I mean, look for the Camino, the planet in the Camino system. But no, it's not in your record, so you're not even going to look. I move that um, we call her Master Karen. I don't even know what Master her name is. Master Karen. We <laughs> Master Karen, that's great. Um, so Master Karen tells Obi Wan Kenobi that it doesn't exist. Sorry, end of your search. But guess what? He doesn't care. Uh, so he's at the Jedi archives, and everything, and then he goes to visit Yoda, and Yoda's teaching these kids, and it also uh, gives validity to when. Obi-Wan tells Luke that Yoda was his former master because we know that Qui-Gon was his master. But then we look and we see Yoda teaching all these younglings. It's like, oh, okay. So when he was a youngling, Yoda was his master. I also like how Yoda, as much as the Jedi Council is very ignorant to the mental health and the struggles of their individual Jedi, Yoda very much 
understands that Obi-Wan was thrust into his position a, a little too early, and he's there for him always. You, you're yeah. always seeing how Obi-Wan knows that when he needs something, he's going to go to Yoda, and Yoda's going to take care of him. Yeah, Yoda's a security blanket. Also, Yoda's funny in this scene. <laughs> When he goes, when he goes, lost a planet Obi-Wan has. How embarrassing. <laughs> and then this, this snot-nosed kid is like, well, someone erased it. It's like, like yeah, that's how did what he not, not think means. of that? <laughs> yeah. But also, how did Obi-Wan not think of that? <laughs> I love Yoda's advice um, to him is go to where the center of gravity is. And it's like, yeah, nice. Just go to the place where it is. Yeah, yes. thanks, Yoda. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks a lot. So then we see Padme and Anakin on Naboo, and they're on like Naboo is kind of it's basically Venice yeah. or uh, Venice, Italy. It's a mixture of um, Venice and Florence. Yeah, I don't know about cities, uh, <laughs> but you know, so they get out of this boat gondola is that what it's called they're in a gondola and they get out and they're walking and anakin has her bags and she says i was too young i wasn't ready to be queen which shows the difference in their maturity because anakin even after this is like i'm ready to be a jedi master when clearly he's not yes you know and he's always trying to rush himself into everything and thinking he's ready for everything. And Padme, in hindsight, knows that she wasn't ready to be queen. Um, I In this scene, we also see something really cool, and it starts something out the whole time. Padme's hair looks a lot like Princess Leia's hair. She yeah. has the buns going on. And that's super cool to me. I think that's the first, that's the first of a few comparisons to the fact that Leia is Padme's daughter and Luke is Anakin's son. And those parallels show up a lot throughout this movie. Yeah, one of the parallels that we've already talked about is that Anakin's whiny. Uh, And guess who's also whiny? Luke Skywalker. But I wanted to go pick up some power converters. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So a lot of people talk about the balcony scene. Yes. Um where Anakin says, I don't like sand. You know, it's like, mm, I don't like sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. When he says it gets everywhere, he is so charming. The way he <laughs> looks at her is so realistic of a guy that is completely head over heels for a girl. You know, yes. the way he looks at her is like, uh, I'm just trying to, I'm a normal guy, you know? I'm I'm not a I'm not a Jedi, but I'm also a Jedi. I'm really cool, and you should date me. Uh, but you know, um, he's just really charming in that scene, and I think he's really good. And he gets too much criticism for yeah. that scene. And also, I think the line itself gets a lot of criticism because it's like, oh, okay, why are you talking about this? And but I mean, yeah. it's. It's a conversation. Remember where he They're came a from. He came from Tatooine, yeah. which is also where which Luke is, covered is come in... from. And it's also where yeah. they hid Luke from Vader. And it's and I think it's also great. covered in sand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so of course he's gonna hate sand. And I think it's great because it's like 
he hates sand and he's not going to go back to a sandy place. And that's where they decide to hide Luke. I think it, yeah. it's a perfect wrap up of that. It's yeah. It's the perfect place to hide him. Yeah. Like you said, um, uh, one more thing about the balcony scene. Um, yeah, this is, and it's not the first time. The first time we hear it is in the restaurant, but this is the first real iteration of it. The way, um, John Williams, Across the Stars, the love theme of Anakin and Padme, is gorgeous, not only by itself, but Mm -hmm. the increasing dynamic arrangement of it as we go throughout the show is is fantastic movie scoring. It's beautiful. It's amazing music by itself, and it also complements the narrative so well. I I love their love theme. John Williams has a knack for creating music that you could literally just go on Spotify, put on the score, and have a good idea what's happening yes. throughout mm-hmm. just by the music and how it builds and how it falls and everything. And he's just, he's a genius, um, which is why he's worked on most big movies <laughs> ever. So, um, yeah. So then. Obi-Wan in the Kamino system. He finds Kamino. I love how gloomy the outside of the building is, but then as soon as he goes inside, it's lit up and it's the brightest place in the galaxy, you know? Uh, everything about the Kamino scenes is perfect. Every time we go to Kamino, it's cool planet. Again, awesome music. Every time that every second they're in Kamino, the music is incredible because it matches the surrounding and then as soon as they go inside it's it's just great the people are cool the buildings the rooms are cool i think camino is is perfect yeah it's it's incredible um so he goes in there he learns about the clones um and we also learn that they are built from the dna of a certain bounty hunter named jango fett who also wanted them to make a clone without growth development or growth like enhancing and we can pretty much gather that that is Boba Boba Fett Fett. Uh, when Obi-Wan goes in also I love that uh, Jango Fett's Australian accent is there uh, because it wouldn't make sense if he didn't have an Australian accent or New Zealand accent or whatever Tamira Morrison by the way is also on my great performances list great actor yeah. Great job as Django yeah. Fett and all the clones. He's great. You know who is not very good? Boba Fett. <laughs> uh, the kid who plays Boba Fett is not very good, in my opinion. But he's a kid. So, oh. wait, what's his name? <laughs> I didn't uh, even look it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Daniel, Logan. Daniel Logan. Poor Daniel Logan. You suck. <laughs> I'm um, going to look up what else he's been in. While you do that, um, I'm going to talk about the fight without lightsabers or really blasters. It's basically just hand-to-hand combat, and it's great. Overall, it's a good fight scene. So that happens. Uh, he goes back around from inside, and he throws a tracking device onto the ship. With that in mind, Daniel Logan, born in New Zealand, started acting when he was 10 years old. He's actually had a lucrative career. He, no way. I think the biggest thing other than Attack of the Clones was that he was he did voice Boba Fett in the Clone Wars. 
That's where a lot of fans probably know him from. He was Captain Fett in Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens, (laughs) which I want to see now. The the Fourth Awakens? That's what the movie was called. I didn't know there was a That's amazing. (laughs) No. He's also going to be in a TV show. Which hey, like the similar. Fourth Awakens is going to be episode four of Silver Line. <laughs> <laughs> so he throws a tracking device on them, and he follows them to what's the name of that planet? Uh, Dionysus. Dionysus, that's right. Uh, we have uh, they're on Geonosis, and they're going through this asteroid field. They they kind of evade evade. Um, Obi-Wan and they end up behind him and they start shooting at him. He lets a bunch of spare parts go. And we get our um we get our first props to the sound designer, I feel like in this movie, for the sounds that the seismic charges that Django The Fest seismic do. charges are so <laughs> cool. They're so cool. They're the most every time I see thing. it. Every time I see the movie, it doesn't matter if it's my second or fifth time seeing it, I think there's something wrong with my sound. Uh, and that's what they want you to, that's what they're going for, you know, because sound doesn't travel as quickly as light. Um, so that's cool. I love the seismic charges. Also, Obi-Wan, uh, evades them by using the trick that we see the Millennium Falcon use later, but because Boba Fett saw that, he is able to locate Han Solo and all them in... Uh, New Hope? Uh, Empire. 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 Sorry. <laughs> and then we have this this dark scene next to a fireplace yes. <laughs> with Anakin and Padme, <laughs> which, okay, Padme, if you didn't want that to happen, <laughs> don't put yourself in that situation <laughs> with Anakin. Or actually, this happens... Kids... Kids, if you're listening, if you don't want to make decisions you're going to regret, don't put yourself in situations where you feel like you might give in to bad decisions. Yeah, and I'm kind of jumping around here because that actually happens before the fight on Camino. Yeah. um, Because he arrives on Camino, and then we see the fireplace scene, and then he does the fight on Camino. That's right. Um, He says... This is a cool foreshadowing line. He says to her, the thought of not being with you, I can't breathe. Oh, that's good. Which is, it's just pretty cool because when she dies, he is having a respirator put on as Darth Vader. So that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. Uh, Also, okay, people also say he's very over the top in this scene, you know? It's like, I am haunted by the kiss you never should have given me. Which is, am I watching a soap opera? (laughs) But here's the thing about Anakin. For the past 10 years, he has been taught to bottle up his emotions. And now when he's finally at a place where he wants to let them out, he doesn't know how to do that. He doesn't know how to handle them. So I think it's pretty realistic that he would be just like, "If, if you're hurting as much as I am, please tell me. It's like he's so overcome with passion, and that kind of is point. his downfall. Yeah. So, um, of course, they're going to be overwhelming and difficult to navigate. Um, also, the only people that Anakin is truly willing to serve are Padme and Palpatine. Yeah. 
they're the two most important people in his life. Um, they're the only two people he would die for. So, and she says, uh, it would destroy us if we were together. Hey, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> it destroys them. Maybe um, we should have paid more attention to this fireplace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe this was a really important scene. Um, but, uh, no matter his reluctance, Anakin is accustomed to obeying orders. That's also evident when he's Vader, yeah. you know, because sometimes he doesn't want to be the, a terrible person, but he has to yeah. be for Palpatine. And so that is why uh, when Padme wants to go visit Obi-Wan later, or like go save Obi-Wan, Anakin's, Anakin's a little reluctant at first, which that's a cool scene, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so seismic charges are cool. Baby Boba is annoying. That's what I put on there. Um, also, there's a cool scene where Obi-Wan is on Geonosis, and he says, R4, stay with the ship, and he leaves. And then we there's a wipe, the the wipe there's that George Lucas so many wipes in this movie. Uh, yeah. I think there's more wipes per uh, character than any Star Wars movie <laughs> in this movie. But uh, right after that, we see uh, Anakin and Padme on Tatooine, and Anakin says, stay with the ship, R2. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. Um, so, Which, interesting little tidbit that I heard the other day uh-huh. is that um, at, the end, at the end of this movie, you see, at, when you see their wedding, spoiler alert, and we'll discuss it later, but at the very end, you see... The only other people besides an officiator are C-3PO and R2-D2. And what I did not know is that the reason... R2-D2 has been a Naboo droid this whole time that we've known him. Uh, He's belonged to to Amidala. And starting afterwards in the Clone Wars series, and then when we... In the movies, we'll see it in Revenge of the Sith, R2 is Anakin's droid. And... Mm -hmm. R2 was Padme's wedding present to Anakin so that she'd always have a part of her with him. And so R2 represented their love, which is awesome that he will later become Luke Skywalker's droid, their their son. But the sad thing is the last thing, the last time R2-D2 sees Anakin Skywalker is in Revenge of the Sith, they're on Mustafar, and Anakin yells at R2 and says, stay with the ship. And that's the last time he sees uh. it. He goes and turns. And if you'll notice, in the original trilogy, which timeline-wise is after all of this, anytime they ask him to stay with the ship, he gets nervous. He makes little nervous beeping noises. Because the last time he stayed with the ship, his master died. Exactly. Or, or died. Or was lost, yeah. Quotations, yeah. And I wow, thought that I never that's incredible. understood the significance of R2-D2. Wow, that gives me yeah. chills. I love that. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they go to, it's the hut that where Luke grew up. Yeah. And guess who's there? C-3PO. Yeah. So uh, they show up. He goes, good evening. I am C. And then Anakin says, 3PO. And that's the beginning of the nickname. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so 3PO's there. That's cool. We meet, uh, Owen and Baru as like teenage boyfriend and girlfriend or young boyfriend and girlfriend. Then Anakin, 
Anakin finds out that uh, his mom, Shmi, has been taken by these, is it the sand Tuscan people? Ladies. The sand people take. And he's like, I'm going to go find her. And this is a cool thing. When he's uh, looking off in the distance and Padme comes out and it shows Padme and then it shows his uh, shadow on the hut, yeah. he turns and the shadow is the silhouette he's of Darth Vader. It's so cool. Um, um, another great thing about that scene is, so he is staring off looking and Binary Sunset is playing just like just yeah. like the original trilogy and then what they'll do with Rey later on. Uh, but what I think is really awesome, especially music-wise, but also I think normal scene-wise, is that we get Binary Sunset in the original trilogy. You have Luke looking off. And then his adventure starts as soon as that happens. He goes downstairs, C-3PO says, oh, R2 ran off. And he's like, okay, we'll go back in the yeah. morning. And that, lead, that starts everything. Yes. But at this point, immediately after Binary Sunset, we cut to him speeding through Tatooine, about to go on a revenge rage. And what do we hear? We hear Duel, Duel of, the of the Fates. Transitioned absolutely flawlessly from Binary yeah. Sunset. Yeah, and it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Also, I'd like to say I hate Newt Gunray. <laughs> he's he's up there with Jar Jar and my least favorite characters. <laughs> Newt Gunray, Jar Jar, and Baby Boba are my least favorite characters in Star Wars. Um, from the moment I heard him say, uh, it's just everything he says is so stupid. <laughs> and it's just in the dialect, is which he can't do anything about that. Uh about how he talks but his like advisor as soon as he went is that legal in the first one i was like i hate both of these guys this just is shut impossible. up <laughs> it's a blockade <laughs> um, but uh yeah so then he's on his speeder going to uh save his mom duel of the fates is playing and we see this shot it's like him on a cliff with the little village in the distance of the sand people. And that shot is just beautiful. Um, it's incredible. Uh, and then he jumps and he goes and he slaughters them. He kills them all. Every last one of them. Not just the men, but the women <laughs> and children too. Uh, and he gets his mom and she dies. How sad. sad. Uh, and he gets on a speeder, goes back, and they bury her. And Lars says something we don't really care. Then uh, he has this big uh, moment with Padme. Um, and in my opinion, this scene where he's telling Padme that he killed all of them is the best acting in the entire series of Star Wars that doesn't involve Adam Driver. Wow. That's yeah, that's statement. I know. I know it is. <laughs> um, uh, but that's I just think he's so real in that moment um, because he just did something that basically ended who he was as a Jedi yeah. and is the first step in becoming Darth Vader. Um, and he did it for love, which is everything Anakin does is for love every important decision he makes oh and as soon as uh anakin slumps down 
and slides down and sits down and he's really sad, we hear the Imperial March. We hear the Imperial March mixed in with the Emperor's theme from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which shows you that the Emperor, even when he's not with him, is in his head. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is really cool. Uh, then, uh, also... I wrote down that I love that R4 and R2 are different tones and different personalities, you know, because it would have been easy to just make them have the same kind of beep boops, but yeah, they don't, you know? Yeah, no, they're very unique. Yeah. Sound team um, did a great job in this movie specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, I didn't know that. And I bet, because I saw that it was nominated for an Oscar, and I bet it was for sound mixing or sound I would, I would have to agree with that. One other big music thing in that Anakin yeah. scene is mm-hmm. um, you hear the Dies Irae playing a lot, which yeah. historically has always represented death, and mm-hmm. he's literally talking about how many people he killed. And you also, that's not the first time you hear the Dies Irae in Star Wars. Um, you hear it in New Hope when Luke finds out that the stormtroopers killed Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew in that very same yeah. spot. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, it was not nominated for either of those. Oh. It was nominated for best visual effects. I mean, which I mean, yeah. yeah. But, you know. I mean, that first shot, that first shot of Padme's ship coming in was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then Padme decides to go and uh, save Obi Wan. Even though Mace Windu told Anakin not to. But Anakin's job is to protect Padme. So he has to go along with her. Oh no, that's so sad. Um, uh, What an unfortunate surprise. (laughs) Um, But they go there and there's this big scene on an assembly line in a droid making factory. Droid factory. Which is really cool. Uh, One of the best levels on Lego Star Wars. I put this assembly line scene was my favorite (laughs) level in Lego Star Wars. (laughs) That's exactly what I wrote down. (laughs) Also... The lava bucket scene mm-hmm. is so nerve wracking. Uh, Who saves the day? But R two D two, which exactly. I love. I think that's awesome. R two flies, which is awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, which in the movie he can fly longer than he can in Lego, in Star, Lego Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, he can only yeah. fly for a little bit. Ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so George Lucas, he's very hit or miss when it comes to comedy. <laughs> But this scene with C-3PO in the <laughs> droid factory is one of the funniest scenes in Star Wars history. When he gets his head knocked off and melded, welded onto the body of a battle droid. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's I, so great. So I get very heated in Reddit discussions about Star Wars. Oh, I because, bet you do. Well, because I have such a different opinion on Star Wars than yeah. most people. I I am so not negative when it comes to Star Wars. There are very few things, yes, Jar Jar Binks is one of them, that I am just extremely negative towards. Even the sequels, I love them. Yeah. Like, I love those mm-hmm. movies because I love Star Wars movies. Yeah, and same. I remember I got into an argument with someone who thought that that scene with C-3PO's getting their head switched was the dumbest thing. And they were just talking about how much they hated it, how it was ridiculous and a waste of time. And I was like, how, how, how little of a soul do you have to have 
that you are young enough to enjoy a Star Wars movie, but not yeah. young enough to enjoy C-3PO's head getting welded onto a battle droid. Also, in Phantom Menace, okay, the battle droids, a lot of people don't like the battle droids. Yeah. I love the battle droids. I, I think they're so funny. Uh, like when in the scene, the last battle in Phantom Menace, when they run up to the battle droids and the one of them goes, uh, uh, you're under arrest, and he just kills him. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. So funny. Um, then they get caught by Jango Fett, um, and there's this scene of Padme and Anakin on a chariot mm -hmm. and they're being led out of a tunnel into this huge coliseum, you know, yes. and they kiss and it's framed by this tunnel yeah. doorway. It's a beautiful shot. And we get the, as the across the stars love theme has been progressing with their love story, we get the climax of their love Yeah, filled out with, this massive iteration of their love theme while the camera is panning over a massive arena about to yeah. watch them die. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's kind of eerily sick. Yeah. But you know, it's star Wars. Yes. Um, also Padme's a badass in this scene. Yes. Uh, from the moment she puts the bobby pin in her mouth or whatever it is. Um, and then uh, I love when Anakin uh, is being chained to the pillar right next to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan goes, oh, there you are. And he's like, we were coming to rescue you. And he goes, good job. Good job. The, di the dialogue in this whole scene is fantastic. My and favorite line Anakin is, uh, what about Padme? <laughs> she seems to be she on top of things. <laughs> That's great. I Padme, love it. who, by the way, is in white, just like Princess yeah. Leia, another Princess Leia. Yeah, uh, which her outfit is ruined in the most cringeworthy scene <laughs> in the history of Star Wars when she gets scratched by Kitty Cat Monster. Uh, that's what I call it. Um, and she lets out this blood-curdling scream. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I fast-forward through it every time because um, I can't do blood or pain. Um, but also the three monsters are so terrifying. They're Okay. They are terrifying. Their sound design is awesome. Again, another yeah. sound design thing. Mm -hmm. And they are direct parallels of the person they're being sent to kill. Yeah. Which I think is fun. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's great. Um, the cat's amazing. Um, I don't even know what it's called. I used to have this encyclopedia book. Same here. Uh, yeah. And exactly it had everything. Yeah. And it had like a, um, a cutaway thing of the, of the uh, Sarlacc. And whatever, and yes. it had everything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Padme getting scratched always makes me cringe. Um, we get to see Mace Windu at his best, um, which I'm not a huge fan of Samuel L. Jackson in this movie. Really? I actually, I put him down for performances solely because I like, I like that he is in this movie and still refuses to do anything besides Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> and something about that is really comforting for me. <laughs> I really enjoy that. 
Have you seen the interview of him on Graham Norton talking about how the purple lightsaber came to be? I I haven't seen the interview. I I know the story though. Yeah, because that big fight scene, he wanted to be able to see himself. <laughs> exactly. And so he's like, give me a purple one. <laughs> he's like, uh, they come in blue or green, but I want a purple one. <laughs> the funny uh, thing is there is there is one scene I noticed in the actual fight where there's a guy with a purple lightsaber in Mace Windu's clothes. He's definitely a white guy, though. And that's the only time we see him. <laughs> All right. And it was like, it was one of those things where it was CGI, him jumping in, slicing the head off a battle yeah. droid and jumping out. And they forgot to make him look like Sam Jackson. Hey, he's a changeling. <laughs> Mace Windu surprised as a changeling. Yeah. Um, so also, this is where I love Kit Fisto. When he gives that little smile. Yeah. He's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, we see Mace Windu uh, fighting really, he's really cool. Uh, He says this party's over, which is cool. Yes. Yeah. The big, the whole fight scene is incredible. Because up until now, we've seen at most three or four people fighting each other. Yeah. And now we see hundreds you know, um, I think this, um, first of all, I think every Star Wars movie has one shot that you can take away as the essence of the movie. And I think the best part of the movie. And for this one, it's the shot where you see all the battle droids running and then it's a real quick pan over to just an army of Jedi running at them with their lightsabers yeah. out. And yeah. that is that. that's what Star Wars was for me when I would like play with my toys and when i was yeah. little that was you just set them up army of yeah. jedi running at a bunch of droids about to just yeah. obliterate them all i don't think i have any of my star wars action figures anymore which i hate oh. uh because oh i know my dog ate yoda um <laughs> uh and i know obi-wan fell down the drain in the toilet uh but I don't know what I think I gave the rest to Goodwill when I was like because I went through a phase where I was like I'm too old for Star Wars, and that was like 14 or 15. And then you uh, looked on and, eBay and you saw that collectively what you gave away to Goodwill was worth like twelve hundred dollars, and you're like, oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so then we see uh, Yoda come down yes. with the clones, and all the clones are CGI. But they look great. They look cool. Um, I forgot to say this earlier. I think... So I watched this with my sister who has only seen it one or two times. It was cool having her realize things that I just had taken for granted. One of the things was the first time we see the clone army on Kamino. She looked at it and she was like, oh, that's how the stormtroopers happened. And it dawned on me because, yeah, obviously I was like, okay, yeah, the clones became the stormtroopers. That's that's what happened. But yeah. I think that reveal of them saying they're getting an army this whole time, it's like, oh, Republic Army, they're going to be good guys. They're going to be good guys. And then you see them for the first time and they and just And you're look, like, oh my gosh, they're the clones. Yeah, they're the stormtroopers. They just yeah. look like a little bit different than the stormtroopers. And we see them in action here. And it, I, that realization, if we're looking at it as it's your first time watching the whole thing, is really great. I think that's a great way yeah. to have just sprung that. 
Yeah, I there's so many. I just wish I could see it for the first time again. Yeah. You know? Um, all right, so we have this big chase scene with uh, Count Dooku on his, like, weird speeder thing. Yeah. Um, and Padme falls out of the ship, and Anakin's like, we got to go save her. And Obi-Wan's like, no. And he's like, but, Dad, we have to go save her. She's my girlfriend. And Obi-Wan says, what would she do? And he goes, I guess she'd do her duty. Um, that's that's how it is in my mind. Uh, <laughs> that was my interpretation of the scene. <laughs> we see an actual war, which yes. is something Star, Star Wars, Wars has lacked for mo until recently, I think, with Solo yeah. and Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time we actually saw a war happening in Star Wars. So the scene, the big fight with Anakin and Obi-Wan and Count Dooku. Um, when yes. they cut off the lights and the, yeah. the only thing lighting their faces is the lightsabers. It's the lightsabers. That's so cool. It looks great. I wrote that it's, down on here. Yeah. Was, last night That's was the first time scene. I noticed that. Yeah. And then when Obi-Wan throws his lightsaber or tosses his lightsaber yeah. to, uh, to Anakin and he's fighting with two lightsabers and you can tell just, oh, Count Dooku is toying with him. Yeah. You know? And then, oh no, Anakin lost his arm. <laughs> How sad. Oh, oh hope his, that doesn't happen to his son someday. <laughs> um, I hope it doesn't but, happen to him during the second movie of his trilogy. Yeah, hope that hope he doesn't do that to his son. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then Yoda comes in. Oh, there you go. There you go. And... We have never... Okay, so people who saw the... Because I saw the original trilogy before I saw the sequel trilogy. Um, no, but the, of course I did. But I saw the original <laughs> trilogy before I saw the uh, the prequel trilogy. I'm just imagining you, who I know as a large Star Wars fan, going into the theaters, finishing Rise of Skywalker, and going, huh, I guess I should go and watch, watch the, the original other trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> who's luke <laughs> who are these old people yeah it's weird um no but okay so they do that uh yoda comes in we have not seen him with a lightsaber which they were going to put a lightsaber in his hand during empire but it didn't look right with the puppet so now that they have cgi they're like all right yoda's gonna yoda's gonna fight and uh, one of the art directors went up to George Lucas and said, how do you want Yoda to fight? He said, a frog. He is a frog. He's like, <laughs> what? He's like, he is the uh, illegitimate child of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. And, which is funny because Frank Oz. <laughs> um, and Yoda just goes crazy fighting uh, Count Dooku. Uh, Count Dooku is throwing all the stuff at him and Yoda's like, nah, I'm just toss that aside. And then Count Dooku, uh, so he can escape, takes his big like machinery and throws it onto Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yoda catches it right before it hits him. Dooku gets away. Yoda saves them. Whatever. Um, I want to break, I want to break that down a little bit. So yeah. I love Count Dooku, which by the way, Christopher Lee, Incredible, yeah. just a legend. Yes, yeah, ab- absolutely. 
Um, Part of two of the greatest movie trilogies of all time. Yes. And I think... And six foot six. The fa- <laughs> I think the fact that he could pull off swinging a stick around, pretending like a dyslexic frog was fighting him, and yeah. it looks good, Yeah, just says so much to what kind of an actor he is. Oh, yeah, he's um, incredible. And I love... He is the perfect kind of person that absolutely obliterates Obi-Wan and Anakin. I mean, these are two of some of the most powerful Jedi we have. Yeah, and he, absolutely. And he gets rid of them easily. He plays with mm-hmm. them and then gets rid of them. And seeing Yoda come in, and the only reason Yoda loses, which he doesn't really lose, Count Dooku runs away, the only reason that happens is because he values the lives of his friends. Yeah. Because Count Dooku was going down. Yoda was, mm-hmm. Yoda was about to take him out. And yeah. I think Dooku, in his last-ditch effort, was like, hey, if I can put their lives in danger, Yoda's going to go save them. Which I think is great. Um, I love watching Yoda flip around. I think it's awesome. I think I love him using a lightsaber. It makes sense that he use a lightsaber. I know that that opinion is not shared by a lot of people. And a lot oh, yeah. of people do not like that we saw Yoda with a lightsaber. What do you think about that? I love it. I, I love it so it's what made me fall in love with Star Wars yeah. that scene um, so I have no problem with it I think people talk about how uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi are just like 20 30 years later why is he so much older and frail and my thing is do you realize the things he saw during the Clone yeah. Wars And during Order 66, and being one of the only three or four survivors. And then never talk to anyone about it again. Yeah. Yeah, just by himself. That takes a lot out of a person, especially if they're 900 years old. Um, One more note about the fight scene. Um, I think one of my top three themes, music themes in Star Wars, is Yoda's theme from Empire. Yeah. Um, da, 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 During this fight, we get an action version of Yoda's theme. I love it yeah. even then. That's great. Um, it's basically the end. Yeah. And Anakin and Padme get married. So this ending scene, we have Obi-Wan, Mace Windu, and Yoda in the council room by themselves. Which I think yeah. is cool. I love their, I love the brotherhood of those three. And I love they, that dynamic. Yeah. yeah. And this, the lighting in this scene is beautiful. You have this, you have the sun setting over Coruscant, filling up the room with this, this glow. And you hear Yoda say, uh, "Begun the Clone War has," yeah. which is a great way to start the TV show if you're into that. It's yeah. just with that scene and then immediately start watching seven seasons of an all-out war involving yeah. the clones and the droids. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get the whole... We have the pan over the clone army. They're getting ready to ship out for war. You have Palpatine watching them and standing over them like the, the evil man he is. And yeah. you have... Orchestrating everything. Yes. And... You have Imperial March playing, and it's the perfect choice. And it's like almost when you know it's about to happen, even if you've never seen it, you're like, oh, yeah, Imperial March would work perfectly here. But then they do a perfect musical transition into Across the Stars one last time for this movie. 
is great and we see their wedding and we talked about that a little bit earlier but i think music wise i think this is this is one of the best john williams scores was yeah. attack of the clones great job all around here's here's another thing about the wedding um the way they're set up we have anakin and then we have padme and then we have c3po and we have r2 mm-hmm which perfectly mirrors Luke and Leia and C-3PO and R2 at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Looking out on the galaxy. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. That's awesome. That's great. And they're they're wearing their colors. Yes, yeah. Brown and white. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So, and that's the end of the movie. Um, Which, okay. So this movie... Is not the best Star Wars movie. Definitely not. Um, Do you have an official rankings? Because I'm about to pull mine up, and yes, I do. When's this I- one is actually very sadly incredibly low on that list. Is it really? Yeah. Well, okay. If something's got to be low on the list, right? All right, I've got mine. I'm not including any animated stuff. Gotcha. Or the Mandalorian. I'm just doing trilogy movies and uh other movies you know like rogue one and solo right so for me attack of the clones is 10 out of 11 mine it's nine out of 11 for me it goes a new hope return of the jedi the force awakens empire solo rogue one rise of skywalker uh Wait, why did Revenge of the Sith, The Last Jedi, Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace? So it's 10th. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So our lists are very different. So yeah. mine is Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, Empire Strikes Back, New Hope, Solo, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Last Jedi. However, I will say. I don't start necessarily disliking parts of the movie until Rise of Skywalker and Down. I got you. Everything else, I think, I love pretty much all of the movie. Oh, yeah. I think, well, A New Hope, I think, is, I don't know. I like it so much because it introduces these characters that we love so much. Okay, so this movie is not the best Star Wars movie. Yes, it got, um, and I'm pulling this up. On IMDb, it has 6.5 out of 10 stars. Okay. Which, to put that in reference... Yeah, look up, like, Empire. Yeah. No, not Empire, this TV show. <laughs> I loved Terrence Howard's uh, portrayal of Han Solo. <laughs> okay, so Empire has 8.7 out of 10. Yeah, it's like, in, it's like in the top 25 highest ranked movie yeah it is uh it's number 14 top ranked movie of all time yeah on rotten tomatoes it got a 65 percent tomato meter but it was only a 56 percent audience score the critics consensus was uh star wars episode 2 benefits from an increased emphasis on thrilling action although they're once again undercut by ponderous plot points and underdeveloped characters so so people didn't like this movie no but people also liked this movie yes and Uh, i think 
it's interesting because for so long, you know, you people our age who enjoyed the prequels because they were some of the first Star Wars movies we saw. Yeah, felt at least, and I'm I may be speaking for myself. I would always feel so nervous to tell adults and older kids that I enjoyed Attack of the Clones because I wasn't ready for them to just be like, "Oh, well, well, these are terrible. They ruined Star Wars. They should go yeah, back absolutely. to Han Solo." It's it's for so long we just got so sick of hearing that that we were like, "Okay, whatever, fine, yeah, the prequels suck." And I yeah. think now that another trilogy of movies that is arguably can arguably be considered worse by people who hate it. Um, It's allowed for people online to come out of the woodwork using revenge of the Sith and Darth Maul as the crutches for building up why these are the greatest three movies of all time. Yeah. uh, To be able to enjoy these movies again. When you're in the realm of star Wars, I think it's, whatever movie you enjoyed watching the most, whatever movie resonates with you the most, most, because they're all Star Wars, you know? Yeah. And as long as you enjoy it, I don't care which one you like. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, I liked Rise of Skywalker. I did, too. I thought, I thought it, it was, was a good ending. Uh, I enjoyed parts of it. And, like, it didn't, it didn't bother me too much that they threw Palpatine in at the end. Like, I... I I was okay with that. Was it yeah. in the long run, if we're analyzing a full-on story, was it a little lazy, weird, and last minute? Yeah, but I knew what I was going into, and I knew yeah. that I was excited to see the end of the Skywalker saga. So I was like, okay, sure, I'm here to accept that Palpatine is now the bad guy at the last second, and I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. So I've got some facts about Attack of the Clones. Hit us with some facts. <laughs> Big facts. Jingle um, the Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a facts jingle, and that'll <laughs> happen right now. His name is Will Steven, then he's got to read some facts. Yeah. Well, that was a really good jingle we came <laughs> up with. That was so good. Such, such good melodically. Oh, um man. You already know I'm going to make it as stupid as possible. I can't wait. And keep all of this yes, in. Yes, I'm going uh, to. Okay, good. All right. So in this movie, the Senate, which we didn't really talk about this a lot, but the Senate votes to give the Supreme Chancellor sweeping emergency powers to go to war against the separatist forces. This is the same ploy Adolf Hitler used to gain similar dictatorial power in the mid-1930s in Germany. You know, I thought about that last night. And I think the funniest part of that to me, so there was there was a man who was a senator of one of the provinces of Germany. And he had only been in that position for a year. And he was the first man to vote or to propose the idea of Hitler gaining emergency powers. That man is represented by Jar Jar Binks in this movie. <laughs> also, when they're all going, Palpatine, Palpatine, <laughs> they're basically hiling Hitler. <laughs> it's, oh it's just World War II. It's, Star Wars is World War II. It is. It's, you know what's interesting is that it's, 
World War II happening in ancient Rome. So since Lars doesn't have a leg, does that make him FDR? <laughs> <laughs> and is Yoda Winston Churchill? It's <laughs> Winston Churchill and Duco is Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mussolini? <laughs> Newt Gunray is Mussolini. Uh, exactly, because I hate <laughs> Newt Gunray. Um, all right. Uh, and <laughs> Baby Boba is that soldier that could have killed Hitler when he was a young soldier and didn't. <laughs> um, all right. So, okay. Due to much of the animosity aimed towards Jar Jar Binks in The Phantom Menace, George Lucas's working title of this movie was Jar Jar's Big Adventure. <laughs> fantastic i love that that's amazing. you know jar jar is sketched is slated to appear in kenobi which i'm excited about i am excited because i know so they're gonna excited. handle it i know they're gonna handle that in a very special way geared yeah. at us and i'm excited well, about it in mandalorian they've already made fun of him yeah when bill burr said are you he's like what are you a gungan are you so scared <laughs> all right um the entire aggressive negotiations conversation during the dinner scene between Anakin and Padme was ad-libbed by Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman at George Lucas's request due to his not being happy with the romantic dialogue he wrote for that scene, hmm. which shows how good of actors, which Natalie Portman, we know she's a great actress. She has an Oscar, but uh, I think that shows that Hayden Christensen isn't as bad as people think he is. Yes. Um, I think also hey. it shows that Hayden Christensen could actually use the Force because yeah. he forced past the pair to Padme. Mm -hmm. And if it was Adlib, that means... That means he actually did it. Yeah. yeah. So Hayden Christensen is actually a Jedi. I think... I believe it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. And he played the role over the top and stupid so that people wouldn't catch on to him actually exactly. being a Jedi. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So... He's just thinking. All right. <laughs> so this, here we go. This is the list of actors that auditioned for the part of Anakin Skywalker. Ooh. Misha Collins. Paul Walker. Colin oh, Hanks. <laughs> Christian Bale. Heath Ledger. James Vanderbeek. Chris Klein. Huh. And Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. Yeah. I think out of all that, I would have loved to see Heath Ledger's Anakin Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been awesome. He would have played Everyone really else I dark... could not see. No, especially Leo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I can see happening? I can see if Leo DiCaprio had been Anakin their timelines would have switched and everyone would have hated Leonardo DiCaprio and he would have been in Jumper and 90 Minutes in Heaven and then and Hayden awake. Christensen would have gone on to win an Oscar for The Revenant. I don't even think Hayden Christensen can grow a beard though. <laughs> but yeah, those are my facts. All right, so now it is time for our next segment called Favorite and Least Favorite. Are we going to have a jingle for this? I think we need to. All right, here's our jingle. Favorites and least favorites. Favorito y malos favorito. What a jingle. Wow. That was amazing. That was incredible. All right. Just, it's like you forget to come up with a jingle. Just keep that in there. 
<laughs> the jingle is you taking a deep breath. Awesome. Um, I'm ex- a, okay. I'm excited because I'm definitely keeping all of our dialogue about the jingles in here. Yeah. I'm excited for the next episode when we actually now know what the jingles gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, Makai. Yes. What is your favorite part of Attack of the Clones? My favorite part of Attack of the Clones is um, Yoda flipping around and fighting Count Dooku. It's a great part. My favorite part of Attack of the Clones is... I I probably should have thought of this. Before we started. Do you want to cut real quick so you can think about it? No, no. This is raw. This is real. Nice. Uh, Okay, my favorite part of Attack of the Clones is when... They're all doing the big Jedi battle, and they—it seems like all hope is lost. And then Yoda comes down with all the clones. Yes. That's my favorite part. That is a great part. Yoda. What is, is Yoda's a clear favorite of this movie? So absolutely. Yes. He he makes this movie. Yes. Um, what is your least favorite part of this movie? Ooh, I really get bored during, um, during a lot of the Anakin and Padme scenes. Not the not the big monologue ones, like the okay. big dialogue ones that everyone quotes all the time. Those don't bore me. Um, there's a couple minor scenes, like them in the restaurant. Um, yeah. Them, a couple other times where I'm just I, I just get a little bored after. A I guess you could say the Jedi's are t- encouraged to love. It's like, <laughs> Shut no, I up. guess we could say that you need a restraining order. Yeah, I guess we could say that you're getting me tooed for the second time. Uh, it's oh. like you're making her uncomfortable again. Stop stop with the pair. Uh, my least favorite part of this movie is when... <laughs> but it's also kind of my favorite. Um, it's when... Uh, Jar Jar says, Misa want to... He's basically saying that uh, Chancellor Palpatine is going to be the new (laughs) Chancellor. And then everyone's like, yeah. And then he has this look on his face like, they like me. They really like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that scene is the basis for the Darth Jar Jar theory. Yeah. Which I'm sure you've heard of. Yeah. In case anyone hasn't heard, there is a theory that George Lucas originally intended Jar Jar Binks to be a Sith Lord and that he was so agile because he could do that uh, because he used the force and that him moving his hands and waving his hands over everyone, giving emergency powers to the Senate was him actually force mind controlling the entirety of the Senate making Jar Jar the most powerful dark force user we've ever seen. <laughs> People believe this. I love my brother hey. believes this. My, my oh, youngest brother thinks this is true. Wait, which, wait, you have one brother, correct? No, I have two brothers. You have two brothers? Yeah. How I did I not know this? I don't know. Here's the thing. He would have made a great Sith Lord because you know in Lego Star Wars, whenever you need to get something that's really high up there, you switch to Jar Jar. That's right. It's the only time yeah. you switch to Jar Jar. Yeah, it's the only time you use him. That's why when you do free play, he's always a playable character. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that is the end I of so. episode one of Silver Linings. Thanks for listening to our analysis and our Silver Linings to Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, released yeah, in 2002, fun. directed by 
Did George Lucas direct this one? Yes. George Lucas. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, Mackay. Not many people do yeah, that anymore. Of course. Thanks for, thanks for doing this. I'm excited yeah. to get this out there. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll All see right, you next bye. time.